Sorry. That's... Oh. oh. <laughs> Welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. I'm Malachi Greb, your host here at the Manufacturing Come Up, where we talk about careers, career advice, how to navigate your career. And today we have a pretty awesome guest, guest Nicholas, David, David Nicholas with Loop, uh, which is a super cool brand, super cool uh, company that does somewhat similar work to we, that we do, but also very, very different work than what we do. Welcome, David. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. You, you probably have one of the, the coolest robotic brand companies uh, on, on the market. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, we we started doing, a, we've been around for a long time. Like I founded the company in 2007, but it was only three, four years ago that we really started to learn what a brand was and what it meant and how it worked. And, you know, I think five years ago I had my, my, my thought was we need marketing. And that was, uh, that was what I knew. That was like what I understood. And as I started to learn about that topic and collaborate with a lot of really awesome communication professionals. It's just been really fun to be able to express ourselves in the way that's true and, and real and also really vivid and fun. And uh, a lot of our brand and stuff that we do is like, oh, I, the more the more kind of delighted and badass it seems, the mo more successful we'll be. Like I, that, that was a nice surprise. Yeah, absolutely. So prior to that, did you have much uh, marketing knowledge or experience? No, absolutely not. Like I, I was, I'm an engineer. I, that's how I started my career and I have an engineering degree. That's how I was trained. Um, and so we, and, and like a lot of engineering companies or a lot of, you know, kind of workshop type of companies, like we were just good at, we were good engineers, like we're great engineers. Um, and so that was how we came to, into exist. That was how people knew us. You know, we didn't, we didn't know how to talk about that. Like, and in right. fact, I didn't even realize that there were people who could, you know, understand what you were up to and help you communicate it better. It's like, how could somebody communicate what we do better than us? But yeah, they can. You yeah, talk kinda... for five hours and they give you three sentences. You're like, how did you do that? You know, like, <laughs> that was really cool. That was really cool to work with people like that and kind of learn the power of that and how that works as a, did... as a different skill. Yeah. How did, you, how did you go about finding the individuals to help you with that? Uh, really just extreme trial and error and trying to do other things that that led us to that, right? Like I, I think um, when I we were ambitious and as I started to try to grow the company, I was like, I think we need sales. Like that was what I thought was what we needed next. Um, right. and, and we did need sales and we did do sales. Like that was kind of my second job that I learned besides being an engineer. But um, before we could really express ourselves, before we had really a handle on what we're how to communicate what we're doing and like what we're about. Like you, if you don't have that, it's hard to sell. <laughs> it's really hard to sell if you don't, yeah. if you don't have that dialed. And so we tried that really hard and I, I was talking to people and, you know, we, we worked a lot on, on sales type of things, which again, I considered to be different, another skill, yet another skill. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I just led to people who were like, you know, it could help to tell your, you know, figure out how to tell your story. And we, I, we just got connected to people that helped us do that and helped us um, really write down what, what our, what our values were, what our core values were and use that as the messaging of the company. And um, that was all true. All that stuff is true, right? It was all, it was there the whole time, but we didn't have a way, we didn't have the words. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you didn't communicate yeah. it in the proper way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or I'd take two hours to talk about it. People were like, I had no idea what they were talking about. They seemed excited, 
they seem yeah. passionate, but you know, like right. it, that, that's what it was like back then. So yeah, yeah, to, to have people see and understand what we're doing, or at least be interested in it and, and to get that kind of feedback is really, uh, it's really great. I'm really happy about that. Yeah. I feel like one thing that's kind of a, uh, a struggle with going through that process is like finding the individuals who are actually to the skill level to really help you like refine like what your message is. And I feel like with you guys with like your brand message, your brand image, like not, you know, not only does not only like, do you have a good message? It's like, it just has like a very creative vibe about it. Right. It's like a very, And like to be able to get that, like I don't know if your if your company had that type of vibe prior to going through this marketing, uh, you know, this marketing process. But uh, I think that definitely like the coaching helped define that and help. Uh, I don't know, just make that that messaging so creative. Well, thank you, and and it really was a bit of both, right? But before I would say, like in the old times, like the kind of creativity was there, or like that was that was really what was driving the company, right? Like innovation, revolution, like that was real, mm-hmm. and we were excited about that. But that felt sort of like, oh, that's just fun. That's just like almost like a guilty pleasure, right? Like <laughs> I'm playing with this stuff is sort of like it's I shouldn't really be doing this. This is unprofessional. Yeah. Um, but but that but when we really dug down to it, it's like, no, that's the essence of what we're about. Like, yeah. And so even like going through the communication exercise was like, oh, we're it's our job to be magicians. It's our job to be creative. It's our that's the most important yeah. job is to like be learning and discovering and exploring like let's And so it, it actually taught us to be better at it. Right. Like we can embrace that. We can mm-hmm. do it on purpose because we're like, oh, right. That's how this works. Like this is what we're about. And so it was, it wasn't just like, it for sure was like, we can express it better, but we could also be it better. Right. Like that right. was, and so to really lean into that and, and to say like, oh yeah, this, this kind of weird experiment is, you know, we joke about it. Like it's like marketing budget, you know, but, right. but it's real, it's real, you know, like yeah. it's like, oh, put let's put a chainsaw on a robot and do that. Like that's a legitimate brand investment. That's like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's both professional and creative and fun. Yeah. So it, it did help us to be to be it better. It, it transformed the company in that way too. It's you know, it went from being like it felt like what was like a guilty pleasure side gig to like that's what it's all about. And embracing yeah. that was really powerful, really powerful. Yeah, yeah. I would assume like kind of going through that process, like one of the major value adds that you got was just like being able to embrace that and be like, oh, okay, like yeah. That, I think it there's definitely there's a definitely like an underlying part of like like the content and the stuff you're doing, it was just already in your nature. It was just like, you guys weren't like maybe making videos on it, or maybe you just weren't, you know, no. expressing it to the public. No, I mean, we, we like, we were able to like really tap into that and really unleash it, you know, like, and, and to your point, it, I think it was there. Cause that's how, that's how, you know, at 25 people were like, yeah, cool. Like run our whole program. It's like, they they saw that in us or we had that we had that in us to be able to do to do that um and also you know even back even further like i was lucky i grew up um with uh my parents my dad was an engineer at caterpillar his whole career so you know he's like technical he's like professional like he retired as an executive like he you know he's deep in you know engineering world we lived we lived in different places all over the world like he was really successful as an engineer and professional mm. and my mom was an art teacher like a 1970s art teacher so it's like oh by the way here's also finger paints and hot glue guns and like you know here's how to make so it's like to be able to that's also like you can see it in the company now it's like it's both it's a technical 
the technical elements, the engineering aspects are really critical, but also it's like, what if we turn this upside down? Like, what if we completely change how this was done? Like a lot of that creativity was stuff that I had been taught, like, again, accidentally, like I didn't realize that, that that's what I was bringing. That's what was in me for the longest time. I mean, I did go to engineering school and I was like, I feel different from a lot of these engineers who are like, you know, doing, doing mounds of paperwork and like interest, interested more purely in the technical dimensions and kind of like, yeah, making, you know, those are important, right? Like that's why airplanes don't fall out of the sky, but like yeah. in terms of making new stuff, like that was, that was stuff that we were passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to make things look better too, not just make things that are structurally sound, but make them where they yeah. cost them to look good as well. Yeah, totally. And just having the kind of experience of making new things about like, no, we can try this, even if it's rough, or even if it's like, there's something we can pursue and try it, try it and scrap it, try it and scrap it, try it and scrap it. Like that's what creative or artist types do and, mm -hmm. and engineers too. But like some, you know, it's, there's a range of kind of engineering stuff. It's like, are we doing structural validations or, you know, are we figuring out like, what if we made stuff out of, you know, CLT instead of steel? Like those are the kind of like different, different kind of innovation approaches and Right. Um, yeah, that, that's been there the whole time. What do you, what taking this thing back, what do you think was, uh, part of what made you start loop? I think it was that passion for, you know, I, I guess growing up in, you know, the, for sure that like childhood influence of like engine, you know, not just my dad, but like, you know, I could handfuls of other close family members and, you know, engineer, engineer lineage, right? Like, gotcha. since forever. Yeah. so it's like, Oh, I guess I'm an engineer. Uh, that was one thing. Um, and then also that create creativity aspect, but I would just like, um, like building stuff, you know, like the stuff that I was getting into, even when I was like 15, I was like building levels in quake for quake, you know, and like, this is cool. I remember my mom getting like concerned. I was playing video games too much. And she came into the room and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm like building, I'm building virtual worlds to run around and, and play video games. And she's like, okay, you're fine. Like she didn't, bu she didn't bug me after that because she yeah. could see like, Oh, he's basically doing architectural CAD software, like for fun. Mm, yeah, she so like, that. yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and so getting involved in, you know, being interested in technology and software and programming and, you know, that, that was just what, what had gotten me into, what I was doing. And, and especially when I went to, to school and like, I, I might've become a software engineer, but like when I, when I came to the program, I went to university of Illinois and it was called general engineering at the time. It was, I think it's called ISC now industrial and systems engineering. It's a really interesting program. Cause it's like a really multidisciplinary. It's like you learn all the dimensions, which is like really valuable for mechatronics automation. You need to know yeah. electrical mechanical software. And so I, I was just like, oh, I can write code. And then when I hit enter, like this thing is just gonna start moving and doing something like to be able to build software and work in digital systems that were like operating in the physical world. Like that's what hooked me for sure. Um, and it was, you know, making, making whether it's like making robots dance or like putting bottles into boxes, it's like, that's just so cool. I just, just like so yeah. fascinated by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember that my first time walking into like a manufacturing facility where there were, where there were robots and like, linear servo slides and i'm just like i walked in and i'm like i don't know i feel like i just walked in an amusement park i was like this is yeah totally <laughs> how do I yeah how do i get involved how do i get in front of that yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. so what like what did you say your discipline was in, in the pro more the programming side of things well i think so like um 
I, and I, I mean that like when I was 18, you know, I was like taking AP computer science classes and I was like really interested in that. But um, I also just had that experience of like building stuff and making things and kind of to put them together was really what I was like, oh, I can put these two together. Or, like that's what, that's what hooked me. So, and, and I did go to like a big 10 engineering school, you know, I went, you know, in a, I, I took that track, but right. that, and there's trade-offs to that. I mean, they're like, we'll just teach you the fundamental physics and then you can apply it anywhere. And it's like, yeah, but they don't tell you, you know, I never heard what a PLC was until I was, you know, in my twenties Yeah. because they're like, we'll just teach you these fundamentals about, and then you can just figure out how to apply it. Whereas, you know, right. more, more, um, you know, there's other, you know, like we, we have a handful of people on our team from CSU Chico where it's like more practical they like teach you mechatronics and they're like, here's a motion controller. Here's a servo drive. Like yeah. I never seen any of that stuff until I came out of school, but they had taught me all the fundamentals, you know, here's, here's moments of inertia. Here's all this like deep control theory stuff. Like I knew it, but it's like, I didn't have any application. I had, it took me until after school to learn how it was all applied. Yeah. I feel like, especially in the past, like there was, uh, especially with like actual engineering degree programs, like, there was very, very little of like, like real world, real world experience with stuff yeah. like CLCs and robots. And, and actually like <clears throat> programs that were available were more of like even your community college. They were kind of falling right. more into like the, the trades type of work. Technician trades, yeah. you know, you're, you're an like, you know, you're electrician plus. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. 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 And, and I, yeah, I was, I was lucky to have come into it that way. And it, yeah, it, it, it lends a lot of point of view. Like a lot of stuff that we're that you see from Loop now is because it's like from coming up more from a software engineering, like with software engineering interest, right? Like yeah. um, I had all that experience. Like I was writing C++ code when I was 17, you know, because I was taking AP computer science and it's yeah. like, yeah, I know how to use an IDE and coming into the automation world where there's like all these different um, evolutionary pathways you know, it's like there's PLC world. It's like when I when I bumped into like it was a couple like year or two into my career, like almost right out of college, I bumped into uh, the BNR platform, BNR Industrial Automation, and I opened it up. I was like, oh, this is an IDE. Like I know how to use this. Got a C compiler in it. Like I can do I can do whatever. I know how to use this. Like I've, mm. I've been programming TI DSPs, and you know, like I've been doing all that. And you know, can't coming more from embedded software point of view. Yeah. And, and that was my like way into the world of PLCs. And it was like, I had never heard of Rockwell automation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know what that was. I, I had to learn about BNR before that. Right. Yeah. So it's like, but I, and that, but, it, and there've been trade-offs to that. Like it's been really powerful. Like there's a lot of stuff that we've been doing, you know, we've been using Git for 10 years on all of our automation projects. Now, you know, it's just like something that people are just, just kind of waking up to. So um, it's cool. I think that stuff is coming together in really interesting ways. Um, and I, yeah, that, that was big, but that was basically where I was coming from. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's like super powerful. I think that realistically, like majority of your PLC programmers, like if you're, if you're looking to get an edge, it it's to take some type of like computer programming. Cause yeah. in my opinion, like computer programming is more complex and it's more powerful in ways, but the, the one part of it that can be a little bit more simplistic is like, in my opinion, is the way that it scans. You can like visually see like, kind of how your code is going to execute versus yeah. like when you go into PLC, that, that was one of my biggest disconnects that took me a long time to really grasp that I was like, okay, how does it scan this whole side and then output on this whole side? Like I just, you know what I mean? And so yeah. like and, yeah. and when you don't have a fundamental understanding of programming, which I didn't at the point in time, 
um, it, it was kind of hard to connect the dots. And then like, then I started doing like some robot programming too. And I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, this robot programming is way easier because it's more, more scripting. Uh, yeah. yeah more scripting. And, uh, so I think that fundamental like really helps with being able to transfer it to other yeah. platforms. You know, and I think, it, I think in automation, like one thing I'm actually really, really excited about, or like I see as kind of a persistent threat is, you know, you have a lot of professionals that have been doing it for a while, you know, like a lot of like the community of people that work on controls, technicians, you know, ladder logic programmers, like this whole thing. It's like there, I think um, there's a, there's a subtlety in like, um, it's, you know, programming or even, to, you know, people talk about text-based languages being seen as more complex. And it's like, I, I, I would rather people use the word unfamiliar, you know, because if, if you look at, if you look at like, um, if you look at people that are in the software world, or you look at like coding boot camps, you got people that's like, we had a, we had a, we had an applicant and I was like, so ready to hire her. She's like, I used to be a beekeeper. And then I took a coding boot camp. And now I like write JavaScript front ends. And I was like, right, you learned that in 12 weeks, you know, and, <laughs> and it's just like, I, there's a whole, there's a whole world of accessible programming, you know, in, and again, my, my background would be like, I learned making web pages or I learned how to do, you know, I was just learning these other tools or even learning like rails and other stuff where it's like, it's, you do need some fundamentals, but there's also like really easy on ramps for a lot of software stuff. And it, it doesn't take a software engineering or CS degree to, to be an effective builder of software in this yeah. in 2023, right? Like you can learn so much just by like, just jump on and go do like coding exercises, right? Just Google yeah. like how to learn JavaScript. And you're like, mm -hmm. you, you're already like 90% of the way there. You don't need to know all this crazy stuff about pointers and memory. You know what I mean? Like it's fine, but you know what I mean? Like there is really easy on ramps and, you know, I think one of the things I'm excited about is like, how do we get those people over here and teach them enough about machines to be effective, right? Because yep. the UIs and HMIs that those people coming out of coding boot camps can make are killer compared to anything I've seen on, you know, on a on a touchscreen in, in my yeah, career. Industrial yeah. platform, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, definitely a lot of those things are dated. I think we, and also too, like when the, with the programming side of things, there's so much more accessible information on like YouTube for- yeah. like, writing code like pc based code versus like trying to find like lateral logic where so you can like un really understand and learn fundamentals of programming and and learn how yeah. to debug things and, and get used to that process totally i mean yeah. there, there's so much i mean again i had a lot of i had a lot of background and I, I i had a lot of experience but still it's like google and stack overflow you know it's like if you just whatever programming area you're seeing you just like type in exactly you know as messy as you want just type into google's like boom here's your answer here's a hundred upvotes on this being correct. You're like, Oh, okay. And it's like, how are you going to, you know, you're not going to get that from, you know, from the industrial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another thing that's really cool too, like with like what's available on the market is like my kids are pretty young. I have, we have like six kids. So. Oh, well, yeah. Congrats, man. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and like, they're all, they're like all from the ages of like four to like nine right now. And, mm -hmm. Uh, especially the older ones, I'm getting them involved in uh, uh, a program by MIT called Scratch. They're Scratch and yeah. Scratch Junior. And so, like, those are just yeah. really cool. They're like little gamified, like, programming for kids. Right. I was a volunteer one day for a first robotics competition, and I was just blown away by these, like, 10-year-olds coming in, and they're like, yeah, we would have used more sensors. We would have done that. And I'm, like, looking at what they're doing, like, like <laughs> – do you want a job? Like, it's like, yeah. they're so good and they're 10, 
You know what I mean? Like, right. and it's like, they're just having fun making a little car drive around on the track and pick stuff up. But I'm like, you have all the fundamentals you need, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you have, you know, you're, you're, you're as good as many of the, you know, packaging machine programmers that I know and right. respect, right? Yeah. Like, it's like yeah. um, it was, it's super cool. And, and yeah, it's awesome what they have access to. There's just, um, I, I don't know a lot of that, a lot of that I feel like in background in industrial is just like more of like, it's not about the technology. It's just about the culture and kind of like people's familiarity. And, you know, like it's more of like a, yeah, it's more about like what people's experiences than it is about like how hard the tech is like the tech, the tech for programming is, is stuff that, you know, high school kids can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like another thing, I mean, it's kind of like off topic a little bit, but like, like some of the things that are cool with like being able to do like, uh, like wireless modules and like, 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 let's say for instance, for like kids and like, they're wanting to do uh, like, like little build little cars and, and, yeah. and maybe a whole team of them. And you could like put like a wireless module on there with like some remote IO and then like wirelessly communicate right. to that remote IO to like a right. PLC that's over here. You gotta have all right. those they servos, they got sensors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's totally cool. It's totally good. Again, like it's not, I'm not, I'm not fully off the deep end, you know, like I, I don't think you could just like, you know, again, not to pick on Raspberry Pis, but I don't think we should just be like throwing Raspberry Pis into you know in critical equipment. But it's like yeah. the yeah. software tool. There are ways to do legit software tools, or like to incorporate that, or you know, certainly in UIs. It's like um, I just got tired of Pixel pushing all those buttons forever. It's like you know CSS is a better way to do that. Period. Right. You know, so it's like that. That's like, those are the kind of things where you know there's just a lot of opportunity still still to be realized. Absolutely. So what going going back again, the, did you ever anticipate starting a company and being a business owner? Was that like ever like a thing that was in your mind from the beginning or, or how did that transpire? I I think I might be a bit of a smart ass. So I think I was, <laughs> was suited to like not wanting to be told what to do um, and like taught that I could figure anything out, you know. And so I, I kind of had been true or not. You know, like, again, I, don't, I think that's what I was told. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I, I think too, like um, being, being into, you know, independent minded and like, I had a lot of experiences growing up of like, um, I lived overseas, like I mentioned, and I had just had a lot of like interesting experience of like, oh, like this is all, this is all made up. I, I, I was really fortunate, like in terms of uh, growing up that way. And so I also, although I was really young uh, and it's sort of like, well, um, I don't have a ton of experience and I have no business doing this. I also don't have much to lose. Like I had an engineering degree, you know, and, and I was working at a company where they were getting acquired by a bigger company. And there, so it was like this, like, I didn't initiate that really. It's just sort of like this, this thing happened. I got a phone call one day and it's like, oh, we're going to be, we're going to be acquired by this other company. And I was like, I don't really think this is for me. This new company was like, not really the, you know, the values and kind of what they were up to. I was like, eh, I don't, I'm not feeling this. And so it was like, well, I'll go try this. And, you know, if I, if I, if I crater into the earth in a giant heap of rubble, like I will just get, a, I'll probably be able to get a better job. Cause I'll be like, I tried to start a company and it failed. Here's what I learned. Yeah. And that, that was like that, that worst case outcome mm-hmm. was, was actually better than staying at that company for me. You know, I was yeah. like, what yeah. have I got to live? I, mean, I, w- I was fortunate to have support and be, you know, we had relation, you know, I had enough relationships from a year or two of just working that there were mm-hmm. people that were willing to hire us and, and work with us. So that, yeah. that was like, it, you know, it, it's, it's much harder for me to imagine now at, you know, age 40 with two kids and, you know, like to, to take that kind of risk would be way, 
way more difficult because there's yeah. just so much more at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like for like me, like, you know, it's definitely, it would definitely be extremely hard if like ever like elite automation didn't survive. And like, cause like now it's definitely defined like in my brain that like I'm an entrepreneur, I'm always yeah. gonna be a business owner. Like, you know, that that's been defined in my head. Um, on the flip side, like, you know, I, I've always not been like a super confident person. Right. So I could be mm -hmm. like, like, don't get me wrong. I, I could have my times where I'm kind of like cocky and I can do this and I'm one of the best at doing whatever I do. You know, I'm really good at execution. That's one thing I'm really good at. Sure. Um, but uh, by starting a company, it gave me the confidence, like where I were like safers. I could never see myself like sitting at an executive level, especially without me gaining like 10 or 20 more years of experience. Yeah. And maybe at that point I'd reach that comfort level, but like starting a company and just like the things that I've been able to operate and do and experience that like, you know, it, it's just still like a confidence within me that like, now I know that like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to, like if ever I was going to work for a company, like I'd be like, maybe I'd, I don't know what I'm going to do for your company, but I know I can do things and make some things shake. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and to have that kind of mentality, I mean, especially in a, in a, in a discipline or like, it's not exactly a trade, but just like even engineering to be like, I, as long as I'm a good engineer, um, I'll keep getting more work. You know, the reward for good work is more work. The, as you build your reputation, there's more people that are like, Hey, you, you know, you should talk to so-and-so you should talk to loop about that. You know, like, um, that, that's, that's like a totally great way to, you know, get into entrepreneurship and build a business. Um, because you're just, it's a practice, right? It's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a profession. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I think, I think another thing to like individuals who are kind of like on the fence of like starting a company or not, like one of the things that, that was the, uh, one of the breaking points for me, is is you know i was working for a company there was a lot of mistakes being made and like i was just like seeing these things a lot of things were like out of my control or there were things like yeah. i advised against and then the things still happen and i'm like okay cool so we're gonna be dealing with all these issues and have to deal with all these headaches like might as well do it on my own right like right i might as well all the scripts be my fault instead <laughs> that's different it's a different kind of thing i got a different attitude about problems that i created versus ones that yeah. were handed to me yeah and and what i like about it um you know, it's just like the variety of skill sets, you know, like I, I still love engineering and building stuff and designing things like, and that's my fundamental passion about what I'm doing professionally. But in the meantime, I mentioned like, you got to learn how to do sales. You got to learn enough about accounting. Like, I just want to learn about everything, right? Like I went to general engineering, right? I was like, teach me all the engineerings. Like, why would I pick just one? So like entrepreneurship is just, it's just another example of that even broader where it's like, you got to figure out all these other demands. Like, I just love learning about that stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. And talk about marketing. It's like, I guess we need to, I guess I need to learn how to do this. Right. Like I don't learn how to do video editing. Like there's so many opportunities to just like learn different things or that you either need to, to survive or just like to help your business. Like there's a lot of freedom in that, that I really appreciate versus just like stay in your lane. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and there's also like a version of like forced learning. Like you said, sometimes you like, you need to learn to survive. And it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting learning this thing today, but <laughs> I guess no, I totally. And I, I, I love that too. You know, it's like, I, I've got a lot of respect for people who, you know, and I know people who are great engineers that, you know, went more of an academic track and they've got PhDs and like amazing robotics, whatever. Um, I'm like, I learned, I learned on the streets, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I learned out in the world and like that. There's, there's a, it's a different kind of learning, you know, to, did, to kind of do it out in the, do it out in the real world or, you know, yeah, I, again, not, not to diminish, but again, it's like out, out, out. It's in a different like, learning. 
yeah, it's a different kind of thing. You yeah. know, it's like I, I just had a, you know, I did have an engineering degree, but I didn't, mm -hmm. I don't have any other like professional education. Just more like I got to learn, learn by yeah. doing. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think that that creates like two different types of individuals. Where like you're, you know, you have like the people who are more academic. Maybe maybe they're more like analytical. Maybe they'll like, you know, make more analyzed decisions. To yeah, some degree. Yeah. And then you have the other side where it's like, well, I just do things. And then when they don't work, I, I do it again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, entrepreneurship, I think we can really distinguish in that way from academic or like more corporate context where it's like, there's just a giant machine, you know, and you're a part of it, you know, like yeah. um, maybe, maybe one day I'll do that. But I, yeah, I just, I'm, what, what I also like is like the ability to build, build it into what you want, you know, like, if, there's not there, there aren't many places or contexts professionally where you would have that much say over the direction of what it is you know you're like i don't feel like, i don't want to do this anymore my heart's not like i'm going to change this into this other thing like there's probably three or four pivotal moments in our history where it was like let's go this direction now yeah. you know and we were able to make that choice you know not not easy uh, usually but, but yeah. um i'd rather do that than be stuck someplace yeah i'm actually kind of curious like with, with like yeah, you know, and I'm trying to like be in the mind of of somebody who's like maybe thinking about starting a company, and yeah. like you know whenever, whenever like starting Loop, did you did you already kind of have defined what Loop was, or like like how how did Loop kind of start, and like what was like the business model behind it initially? Yeah, I mean initially in in the foundation, I mean even to this day, like I I when I came out of college, I worked for a distribution company like a, like a motion control component house kind of place. Um, they would call themselves like a high tech automation distributor. Right. Um, and so, you know, I was learning to do sales and I was an applications engineer. I was working with like servo drives and motion controls and, you know, linear guides, all this kind of like servo kind of motion, motion heavy stuff. That was how I got into BNR because they, they picked up the BNR line as a channel partner, as a, as a distributor. Mm. And I was like, oh, this stuff is great. And I sort of like took that on and became the expert of that as like the apps guy and like also helping a lot in sales of like talking about that platform. And so when that company exited or when they got acquired, um, I had those connections to BNR and they're like, if you want to start something like we'll support you, we'll help you. You mm. can have the you know, you can have the channel or you, you can be the channel. And again, it was like me and Carl, the two of us. And um, again, I think they must have seen, you know, I, I think back and be like, man, they must have been really desperate to have done that for me, you know, like they must not have had better options. Um, but we were also really passionate about what we were doing. I think they could see the potential in what, what we were doing with the product. And that was how, that was how I got started enough, you know, again, re really low personal overhead. I had, you know, I wasn't making that much money at the time. I didn't have much to give up. So it's like, as long as we have a couple customers that are you know, buying from us or hiring us, um, we can, we can exist, you know, yeah. and then just like figuring it out, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think so much about it is just like, how do I get a little foothold on something in order to get, you know, to be able to be cash flow positive, you know, like yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to, I can, I can survive, you know, every step is sort of like, okay, let me, let's run some experiment. What, what if we tried this, you know, and just building bit by bit that way, like was, mm -hmm. was, you know, again, why we were able to survive that whole time. And, and even when stuff came up, like we, we were we weren't we weren't dependent on really other people for for like staying alive you know we had clients we had customers that was so important and just like learning being able to learn and make mistakes along the way like that that was always the, mm -hmm. the goal and, and there were times where it'd be like really tempting be like I, we could grow faster or maybe we take maybe we take investment money or something. you know like 
Mm-hmm. I lived in San Francisco for the longest time. I'd see companies make like a PowerPoint and they'd be given $20 million. I'd be like, I would yeah. love to do that. I'd love to hire a hundred people and have them do what I want. But it was yeah, always yeah. like maintaining that independence and just, you know, cause that money's going to boom 18 months later, you got to do that again. It's like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like that's not, yeah. to me, it was never sustainable, you know? So it's always about like, mm-hmm. how can I, how can I first and foremost, like continue to do it, you know, like that for the longest time, that was the success criteria it was not like I'm making a ton of money or I'm like super successful or like have freedom or whatever. It's like, and it's hard work, but it's like, we're still a company. Like that was what I say for like five or 10 years. I was like, we we're still, we're still doing it. Like that was like, it was true for me that that was like, that was my criteria. It was like, I, I, I'm st- I don't have to go back and get a regular, you know, a regular job. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that, that was enough. It's still yeah. enough. Yeah. So you kind of, kind you kind of like that same mentality of like, I, you know, I'm a business owner. I can't go back. I can't go back to like doing anything but like business owning. Yeah. Or I want to, I mean, there's different things that I want to do with the company now, but like, yeah. And, and sometimes I think like, maybe I should go, maybe I should go work for a giant company here that has major robot aspirations. Like I might be able to make more money, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like the freedom and independence is always really important to me. Super important to me. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. It's, and luckily be, being able to grow the company and learn a ton to, to be able to get it to where it is now. is like, yeah, really, really a dream come true. Mm-hmm. It's a big yeah. I think like, like definitely one thing, like going back into like the creative aspect of what you guys do are doing and what you've accomplished. Like, I mean, obviously like you, you guys have been around quite a bit longer, but you know, I kind of have like a vision of like, it's just doing more innovative things. Right. So like, I, I'm going to dive into a little bit of like kind of, yeah you know, our game plan and whatnot, but like, you know, elite automation essentially in the beginning is, is just becoming an extremely profitable machine that then we can do other things with. Right. So like that way yeah. elite automation is the funding behind whatever the thing is that we actually want to do. And like, totally. I don't put a lot of conversation into it and a lot of energy into it, but like my, even my goal is not even elite automation as a whole. Like I want to grow elite automation to be one of the biggest companies in the world, but it, it really doesn't have anything to do with like elite automation becoming the biggest company in the world. It's like, what can the dollars that it generate do to like doing more creative things, doing things for education, yeah. like, like really just being able to be the the funder to, to all these other auxiliary things. Yeah. And, and I think of it that way too. And I think of it at any scale, like a lot of, a lot of thinking about creativity or entrepreneurship, like even when we were three people would be like, what can we afford to sort of set aside as like our experimentation budget, you know, and it might be like, well, there's, there's one night per month when I'm going to play around with learning Ruby on rail, you know, like it might be a technology. It might be like, I'm going to try and play around with this and see what happens. I'm going to, you know, I got really excited when the iPad started coming out to be like, this is such a better touch screen. You're like, why don't we use <laughs> it? You know, like I just, I'm like, so I'm playing with stuff on the side, right? Yeah. Got the core business. It's running. I'm working a ton at whatever I can afford to sort of skim off in terms of time and money and set aside. Even if it's a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. I mean, now the numbers are bigger for Loop because we're like we have a bigger business, right? Yeah. Um, and we want to grow and sustain it. But like, if you look at what we're doing with like labs, uh, we have labs function in our company that's like it's very intentionally like experimental work, mm-hmm. you know. And like ninety nine percent of the time, like what we spend like is a failure in the sense of like it didn't. We put in, you know, we put in this much money and like whatever, nothing happened. But yeah. like we learned something, it sent us in a new direction. We're like finding our way. And I'm confident mm-hmm. that the stuff that we're working on there, there's something we're going to stumble across be like, boom, there's another giant business 
that comes out of that. It's a different kind of thinking. Yeah. You know? um, and so whatever you can afford to kind of as your little side bets, you know, that and that gets bigger as the company gets bigger. You know, if we can grow our our uh, distribution business, if we can grow our con, uh, consulting engineering business, like that's just more resources that we can play with, you know, to kind mm -hmm. of skim off and try to make new things, which is, yeah, really what it's about. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, one thing I really like that I think, you know, obviously I haven't seen deeply into your company, like everything that's going on, but like at least from like an outside perspective, it seems like you guys do a good job of like, uh, I'll just say the word tithing a certain amount, right? Yeah, so yeah, right. No, that's good. Word. I never I've never thought of that word in that context, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's innovation tithing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, it seems like you've done like a, a very good job, like implementing that, at, like as you're going along, that's like, you know, it don't matter. It don't matter if it's like we we've made ten dollars today. We'll still give a dollar to to doing that R and D thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and again, it's always like what we can afford and still survive. You yeah, know what I mean, so it might it might have been you know a thousand dollars at one point. It might have been ten thousand dollars. It might be hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. You know, like yeah. whatever that is that you can you can skim off because it's like that's what that's more more like for yeah tithing or betting on like stuff. And mm -hmm. again. It's not wasteful. It's like it's actually makes sense. It's just different than running the core, the core, the core company. Yeah. It's yeah. more high risk, high reward. And again, it's not high risk on purpose. It's just like, well, if if this works, it's going to be super valuable. You know, yeah. like that. Yeah. Those are the. It's different than we're going to do. You know, and I, I still love our core business of like we're going to do a sprint. We're going to do it. We're going to sell engineering services and like we'll work for those two months and they will give us X amount of dollars. Like, yeah, yeah do that. Yeah. Like for for sure, it's really valuable. It's aligned with our work. You know, we're it's making us better engineers. Like it helps us grow the team, gives us new resources. Like that's what's sustaining everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then what what can we also do? Because yeah, even our even our consulting engineering, our our control software integrator, shipping six, like it wasn't it wasn't a meaningful amount of income even five or six years ago. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. You know, it's like doubling, 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 and it's like, oh, this is real. Like this is bit. In fact, this is like the fastest. This might be the biggest part of our company right now. Yeah. You know, like that didn't that it didn't exist six years ago. You know, mm -hmm. we've been around for what sixteen, you know, sixteen years. Yeah. yeah. So that, that that's why we would do new stuff. It's like that. The the you and, and yeah. Fun Yeah. It just yeah. it grew naturally. You know, it, yeah. it grew naturally from running those kind of experiments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's kind of like a little bit of like what what drove us into like really targeting towards like robotic welding and then weld fixturing mm -hmm. and those type of things is like you know, one, we had like the, the capability side from like the engineers that we've hired, but then like, you know, just, they were pushing that. Right. And I was, I was completely yeah. kind of against it because I came from more of like the material handling side of things, like yeah. vision applications, things like that. And uh, you know, and it's come just the, the company itself shifted. It said, no, we're good at this. Like, you know, like, okay, yeah. whatever, we'll try it. Right. And then it's like, really yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. People, people keep asking us to do it. It'd be like, maybe we should say yes. You know, like that. That's yeah. like, there's a lot of stuff like that at Loop right now. Where it's like, are we going to keep saying no? Like, right. why? How, you know, it's a, it's like that parable. You know, the guy stuck on the roof in a flood and he's sending the canoe and the helicopter. Where would be like, <laughs> get in, get in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that the what we were talking about earlier about like being able first of all to survive. Mm -hmm. Right. First of all, sustain, we're going to sustain, be able to sustain ourselves because then you just, you just keep hanging around and like those opportunities show up and that's what you jump on that. You know, like if you're, if you go to, you know, there's a certain risk, you know, on, on the one hand, we're, we're like, we have this super risky activity. On the other hand, we have this like super stable, super solid, you know, 
really insanely robust like part too and it's like no matter what we'll be able to live you yeah. know to, to fight another day yeah yeah absolutely yeah like you said like i mean for like especially like you know when companies like struggling and stuff like that they're like if you can just survive to fight that other that another day yeah. then, then it you know you don't know what door or opportunity like you know i, I get a perfect example of this would be like if if i decided to shut my doors today and then you know two weeks from now we was about to win the biggest purchase order we would ever won you know right. it was like an optimal right. project but you don't know until like or if you close the doors too early then then you, you never know that you're going to reach that point yeah step one don't die right? <laughs> step, step zero you know yeah. like and then then you can do then you can be irresponsible on top of that you know like yeah. that's that's what that's kind of the game and, and just knowing which is which and not getting them confused yeah, yeah. do you what are your uh what are some of your your goals and thoughts for uh loops future and, and where you guys plan on going yeah um what comes to mind for me and and what i talked about like and people see the brand stuff that we're doing and uh, when we really worked on that it, there what, one of the things that we were talking about was like what's the purpose of the company mm -hmm. right why does this company exist you know because we're start off we're distrib distribution channels like is our is our is our purpose to drop ship cardboard boxes full of fancy electronics is that why we exist it's like well that's how we make money that's our business model um mm -hmm. that's not why we're here you know so we talk about like what the purpose of the company is and it's really re revolution you know it's revolutionized industry revolutionized automation we're here to, to innovate and help you know have that kind of impact and so yeah we, we've been doing distribution for the longest time we're doing consulting engineering for you know really in a big way in the last handful of years but it's like that's what that's what we want to do is help bring the the industry into the future you know and so there's different ways to do that right mm -hmm. um you know besides the way that we contribute and sort of helping people with software bringing new technology you know we've got stuff in the labs that's like helping with you know ci cd tools a lot of stuff that just came out of our practices right like we figured out how to do this because we needed it for the work that we were doing like it might be useful to others like maybe we make yeah. that into a product like there's different business expressions of that kind of innovation and work that we want to mm -hmm. do. Um, you know, we played around with even just for marketing purposes, like, Hey, we made this cool camera robot. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's an example of like, and there's other camera robot companies, but maybe we have something to offer there, you know, that yeah. because it's aligned with like, we're bringing this new technology to places where it's valuable and interesting and it's fun, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so again, it's kind of a broad answer, but it's really the purpose-driven answer is like, if it's about that, then we're like all in hell. Yeah. If, you, if that's yeah. what if we're aligned, if you, if you want to do that, then we're aligned, you know, like let's work together. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, and we're also just like growing a ton in terms of really bringing that software engineering mindset to PLCs and controls, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, I, I used to be more like, um, I guess I used evangelical, let's say about like let's do this, you know, like people need to change. And it's like, no, I, I, I've softened that. Like I'm not fire breathing in that to that degree anymore. I'm just <laughs> like, whoever else agrees, like, let's do this, you know, yeah. like, so there's people like, you know, Jacob with his twin cat channel and, you know, mm -hmm. other people who are like, yeah, they, maybe they work with different platforms or whatever, but it's like, we see the same thing. Like, let's help each other out. Like, yeah, that's a core part of like what we're doing with ship and six. Um, it's just like, we're doing so, you know, we're using Git, we're doing code reviews. Like we're doing, we're doing all that stuff that they do in software engineering, but on, but for controls. And, yeah. and that's, that's, that's something I'm super passionate about expanding. I think there's like a huge, there's a huge opportunity there, you know, it still hasn't yeah. been done. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a space that I'm not super familiar with, and I don't even know like how much of a market's already there or not. But like, how many like PC based things that we could do that like also right. like interface with like a PLC to where yeah, like totally. you could have a you could have like a PLC programmer write write code, but that then easily links like the equivalency of like linking an Allen Bradley PLC with a Fanuc robot. Totally. The same equivalency yeah. and link and being able to link them and have them communicate like do with a uh, PC based user interface that like gives you some really cool tool on that side. Yeah, right? totally. There's endless all boundaries are blurring like crazy. You know, like BNR has been you know I mean BNR has been talking about you, you want to run that code on a on a PLC, you want to run it on a PC. It's the same code, same IDE, you know, same tools, same ladder logic, um, and that you know those distinctions are really blurring and they're going to continue to blur. You know, it's like, is that an industrial PC or a PLC? It's like, we don't, we don't care. You know, like, it's the same. you know, it's the same yeah. stuff. We still got a real time operating system. We're still talking to server, server drives, doing motion control with it. Like those are, those are things where, you know, let's, let's really leverage what's really important about industrial stuff, like reliability, robustness, like the kind of things that people expect from a PLC. But then by the way, bring all this new PC tech to it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't really believe in the IT OT distinction. You know, like, I think it's like, it's a big blurry line and, yeah. and we need to, you know, there's a huge opportunity to take advantage of both, both yeah. elements and really merge them, you know, like they, you know, again, I know there's, there's, there's going to be diehards on both sides that like, don't, don't want to overlap it or they kind of like mm -hmm. kind of religious battles, but like, it's like, I don't, I don't think we need to look at it that way. Like there's, there's obviously something important about both, both, both elements. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, do you kind of envision that that loop at any point in time will either create like a, a product or like a software package that'll be like, maybe it's something that like it goes, it goes mass uh, mass industry where it's something that gets implemented to a huge portion of the industry. Yeah, totally. I mean, th th that, that's in line with the vision, right? Like re let's revolutionize automation. Like mm -hmm. we can revolution, you know, when we started, we were revolutionizing by selling, a particular control platform in two and a half states, you know, and it's like, what, you know, as we started to get involved, certainly when we're doing marketing and we're, we're meeting people like you and we're making connections like all over the country, all over the world. It's like, mm -hmm. these are our peers. Like, these are the people, these are the things that these are people we want to work with. Like how could, what kind of, what we need to look like to work with that. Right. Even, even our controls engineers, like we just started hiring all over the country because it's like, we're building everything in digital twins. We're doing everything like, you know, so much we can do offsite. There's so yeah. much we're building just like offline. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter where you live anymore. You know, like that's even, even our core businesses like are benefiting from that, you know, more, more broad geography. And yeah. it's interesting because, you know, we have people where it's like, I never, they never expected that they could be a controls engineer and work remote because yeah. they got to live yeah. on site or they got to live in front of the machine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be able to maintain your community connections and live where you want to live for your, for the reasons that you have your family, whatever that mm -hmm. is. It's like hell yeah, like do that and and work for Loop wherever you are. Yeah, um, yeah. And so you know, in terms of product, like I mean, I, I should mention too, like we uh, we've been building a CI/CD tool, continuous integration, continuous deployment tool, which is a common software engineering practice of you know checking your checking your code in to the servers, and it just like puts it out to every machine. Mm. Like that's a totally common practice. Like if you you know if you go if you go to the Amazons of the world, you go to even just like mid you know any any like software engineering kind of web service kind of de deployment, like that's how it works. Um, they're not, they're not updating their servers with USB sticks. You know, they're right. not sitting in the data center. 
Yeah. Um, and there's techniques to do it safely, effectively, and help you ship faster. And it's like, why don't we do that on machines? So mm-hmm. we, we built a tool to do that called yeah. Shove, H-U, S-H-U-V. Is that shove.team? I hope I got that right. Um, <laughs> and it works on BNR right now, but like we'll, we'll bring it to other places probably because it's yeah. like everybody ought to use that tool. You know, we know people doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, why aren't, why don't we make, no one's making it. Why don't we make it? You know, we know mm-hmm. how to do that or we can learn. So yeah, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it comes in our lifetime. I mean, I, you know, it'll be optimistic than that. No, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah. I you our <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. 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 Cause different, different topic, but uh, the, I think that at some point in time, it'll, the thing is there's gonna be competition between brands, which will be the challenge. Right. Yeah. But like what I, one thing I really envision is like you have, it's, it's probably going to end up being like a software overlay that's able to kind of write in one interface. And then it, then it develops the code for all the different you know platforms. So like if it's a PL, right. if it's out, you can write the code in one platform. It also writes it for Alan Bradley also writes it for Omron. And then, right. and then like what I'm seeing is like, equipment becoming much more common, right? So there's not either, either there's not differences or there's like more like, let's say smart devices or internet of things. So like, yeah. say for like something like a servo, like you, you never train a servo anymore. You plug it in, you hit a button and then it kind of just does some rotations and does some, you know, amp calculations and then boom, it automatically knows like what it's connected to. Maybe it travels yeah. really slow and then reaches to a spot where it like hard stops and then just you know, sees that peak in current and says, okay, there's my hard stop and travels back the other way, you know, and like doing yeah. all the things where it's like software taught equipment is more similar in the, in like, we have like um, engineering practices that equipment yeah, more is standard interfaces, standard networks, you know, again, pe- people can talk about it forever, but it's like, it's not going to be, you know, at the machine level with device net or even ethernet IP, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the, we have these amazing networking tools, like what, and software tools to make all this stuff coordinate. And, you know, as much as it's um, important and valuable to have standards like IEC standards for ladder and structured text and stuff like that, everything is still so bundled up and proprietary. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you can't transfer, you can't transfer it back and forth that easily. Um, You, if you, if you're trained on one, you can go use this other tool and it has all these other quirks and specific things about it. But, you know, I'm excited by platforms where the software is just naturally more, uh, modular and transferable right like mm-hmm. bnr has it that way they're not it's not it's you know all their for example like all their stuff is in like text-based all everything like the io configuration the hardware configurations everything and you can just check it into a source control and if you change it you can merge it you can do all this crazy stuff where because it's not just some binary blob right it's yeah. not one binary blob of the whole thing and so mm-hmm. i'm excited about that you know there's a lot with TwinCat and Backoff that has that flavor and you look at platforms like like um, you know Siemens AX, where they're they're saying all the right things about like that's how it will work, you know. And if they're able to do that, you, you know, the, a lot of the software is not just going to be better managed across Siemens projects, but across platforms too. Like that's there's going to be an opportunity to do that, even if it's just application libraries, right? It's like even writing even writing the handler for your air cylinders or something is going to be much more uh, portable than it was mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see. And like, this is where I kind of hope that we become like big enough of a company quick enough to like be able to be one of the ones that like get involved in like some of these like revolutionary things and like be able to yeah. invest, you know, 
ten million dollars into like developing a software that can do things like overlay on top of of other platforms, or just or just doing other like partnerships with different individuals, or yeah. like you know maybe maybe going to partnership for other product developments of like hey if you can produce this this thing we can do this cool software thing with it and 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 create this like really cool product together yeah totally or like you know i've seen integrators do it where they're really skilled they they have like an amazing team of like 100 badass engineers mm-hmm. and they've been doing custom automation they've been doing lines for big corporations and then one day they're like you know we we could make a you know they they like package some of that into like more product and they like do it, do a shift into becoming an OEM. And they just like, that was a ticket for them. You know, they were able yeah. to capture that and build that into a product. So they're not just mm-hmm. like chasing the next engineering hours, you know, yeah. they were able to capture their knowledge and their ability and expertise in a way that it was more scalable, mm-hmm. you know, to them. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing, whether that's a, whether that's a particular kind of machine that solves a problem for somebody or whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, a platform or some other piece that a lot of other people use, like there's just more scale there than, you know, one person doing the labor hour. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually like where, where we've seen the most success We're like a young company. So we're still like, you know, we don't really have the products in place yet and all that good stuff. So it's like a lot of our success and like really a part of what's like drove us into robotic welding and like I identifying that and being able to see that as a very, um, you know, very uh, lucrative business sector for us is because yeah robotic welding is doing exactly what you just mentioned it which is you you get these companies that are they're doing all these custom robotic welding applications and then they get to a certain size and they say okay we're going to build some products here we sell we sell standardized packages and we don't really want to do custom anymore maybe they do do some but like they 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 really have identified like let's let's put all our resources towards this this product yeah yeah, I mean, we work with ABB and you can buy a welding cell from them, like out of the box. You know, again, I don't know about robotic welding because for the same reason that I was always told to stay away from robotic welding because there's a ton of expertise. I was like, okay, I believe you. You know, we'll do other stuff. But like, yeah, it's like, how could we package up all this learning and something that's, you know, instead of just doing it custom every time? Like, and there's different opportunities. Maybe it's just some little accessory. Maybe it's just some little aspect of robotic welding that you solve that everybody needs. You know, like it's yeah. like, getting in the business and building stuff over and over again has a way of like teaching you or like you learn the patterns, mm-hmm. you know, like I think one of the reasons we've been successful with, with, um, with ship and six with our controls group is um, we've got libraries for BNR and software that we built that we've been honing for like 10 or 15 years, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, when we do a project, it's like, we're bringing all that to bear. And it's like the libraries are getting updated. When we update stuff, it goes to every project we ever shift, the library gets updated. It's yeah. like that, that's something that's like still unheard of, but it's like, that's IP, you know, that's IP, right. That's how we're able to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's just sort of like our software libraries um, for, for kind of mundane stuff, whether it's, whether yeah. that's an alarm yeah. system or HMI tools, it's just like, those are things we built because we needed them. Mm-hmm. And you know, there, there's a broad application of it. And there's a lot of value there. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like, there's like, that's one thing like I identified from like the company I had came from. It seemed like every application we were doing, it was the application was getting getting rewritten, even though it was like yeah. very similar to another application that we did. And I'm like, like guys, why are we why are we rewriting this? We've already done this. And actually, yeah. like a, really, a really fun fact too, and uh, this would go for like anybody who's like a business owner. I think also for like uh, somebody in your position as well. That like whenever you whenever you find some cool creative thing that's like pretty revolutionary to like to to package it up because yeah. like 
the the company that I came from, like they they actually had a vision system that was like better than Kent's and Cognex for like years. They were like basically smacking them for like ten, like five, ten years, and uh, and they were winning all kinds of order. I mean, this is why this company was like surviving and thriving the way they were, is because they had this vision system that like it was able to detect things like on inspection that that couldn't be uh, detected with like Kent's and Cognex, like sure. so. It is, it's just, but the downfall was it wasn't packaged well. Every, every application was being rewritten and hard coded and PC based code. And, uh, you know, so. Yeah. You know, and I think this, this maybe touches on more of like a tech, it's, it's a business consideration. It's also a technical consideration. Like what I see too, in terms of the quality that you can bring, like what, you know, a lot of stuff that I've seen is like, it's written, it's written to a fixed bid from scratch each time, like they're on the clock, they're just desperate to get that last 10% signature released and they're starting from scratch every time. Like, again, I'm, I'm exaggerating only a little bit, but <laughs> again, when you're working on libraries that have been honed for 15 years, like they're so much more capable, they're so much more robust. Like you, mm-hmm. they have seen and been exposed in battle for a decade and they are absolutely bulletproof, right? Yeah. Like, one, and, and I think one of the reasons that there's like big debates about like how our technicians going to support software things like that is it's it's having to do with like the repercussions of everything being custom made everything being a snowflake everything being like it was programmed by a junior engineer who was on a on a deadline and he was already six weeks late it's like well that's why we need everybody servicing it so much because it's so poorly written you know and again i don't blame the engineers for that right like it's just it has to do with it's a systematic issue Mm -hmm. and it's like if we were if we had um, if we thought about it differently, where it's like, we're going to do this, we're going to deploy it to hundred machines, not one by one. Yeah. You, what you can invest in that and the kind of quality you can get in that is so ridiculously higher, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, you're able to, that, that's what, that's what it's about. So it's like a lot of the stuff that we've shipped to be like, no, it's, it's battle hardened. It's not just the one, it's not just been done once, you know, yeah. like it's been yeah. hundreds of times. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. David, do you have? I don't want to keep you all day. I mean, I could keep you all day. We could sit here. I can talk all day. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite thing to talk about. I'm happy to. I'm happy to to keep going a little longer. Or um, if you want to wrap, I'm I'm cool with that too. Or take take your time. I've got time right now. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I guess if you, if you got some time, then we'll we'll keep going. Uh, <laughs> what as far as like like loop and whatnot do you i guess do you feel like on the on like the creative side of things that like you guys have always had the ability to like let's say operate a camera right i was going that's a good example and a good like physical place to yeah. start. um because like say for instance like one thing you guys do a really good job at is like just your videoing even if it's a like simple one of your your sit on a couch type of videos like the cuts and everything like that are done very nicely that you mm-hmm. know uh, has that always kind of been something that was there? Or was there somebody on your team that had that background or? Yeah, I, I think it's a good example of um, like how to, how to experiment as like really as an entrepreneur, as a, as a business person, because um, well, first of all, I, I did have, I, I did have experience because like photography was a hobby for me, like since I was a teen, since I was a kid. Right. So I'm used to, I, I've, I've taken a hundred thousand photos with DSLRs. Um, and because it was a hobby, it was something that was fun that I did. It was a creative outlet. Like, I just like cameras are awesome. Like I was just like that. It was something I was into, but I never applied it at work, like for 10 years, 
you know, and, and one day I remember we were doing a company event and this was around the time where we were like, we should have marketing. Right. And I was like mm -hmm. seeing what people were doing videos, like excited about, you know, even just YouTube stuff like that, like as a way of communicating what we're about. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and reaching people. And I remember talking to Carl and we were doing a company event where we were going to like um, build a CNC machine kit together. Like I bought, we bought like a CNC machine kit from, from Avid called CNC router parts at the time, just cause it'd be fun. Right. It's like a fun event. We'll, we'll like put this machine together as a team. It was like a, like all hands kind of thing. And I was like, should I buy a GoPro? Like, is it okay if I buy a GoPro? Like it's like 400 bucks. You know, I'm not sure if I should, I kind of want to make, maybe we'll make a video of it. Like, and Carl was like, well, if it'll be fun, like just do it, you know? And, and maybe, maybe if I had tried that, I would have, maybe I would have lost $400. Cause like we never, nothing ever came of it. Right. And that would have, okay. That was survivable. But like, I took that and I made a video and I was, I was like, and I'll, cause I wanted to play around with it. It was interesting to me. It was a creative outlet. It was relevant to the business, but it's also fun. Something I wanted to learn. And so I made a video of us doing that. And like, you can go scroll all the way back to the beginning of our YouTube page and you can find that video. I can't watch it right now cause it's so bad. But basically <laughs> the first step was like, I just like, maybe I'll try it. Like I'll try this, you know, I'll spend 400 bucks on a camera. I'll spend like a few days or maybe a week of my time, like learning mm -hmm. final cut and like doing editing. And you can see how, I mean, again, it's not, it's of no comparison to now, but the point being like, I'll just try it. Yeah. Right? I'll just try it. And I was like, that was fun. And, and then I was like, on my next video, I, I don't, you know, I'm going to try this, you know, and on the next one, I'm going to do this the next one. And like, I was, it, it was that kind of thing. And then I, you know, I started getting Allison involved and she was working with me on the unbox video series, which we did like 150 of those. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I was like, I'll buy a better camera. You know, you know, actually it sounds not too good. I'm going to see if, what's the deal with sound? Like I'm like, Google, how do we make sound better? You know, like, oh, I should buy a real microphone. Mm -hmm. You know, what about light? You know, like, so it's just like step-by-step, step, like very gradual, like just trying yeah. stuff. Like, this feels good. I like it. And people, I would, you know, again, we would have some views, but like, it wasn't like all of a sudden we were like winning giant contracts because we were like unboxing yeah. stuff on a video. I was like, it's just really interesting. And it was yeah. fun. And I, I could tell, I could feel it. I was like, we're communicating something important. Like, and it's, and it's fun. Like we'll keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And over time it was like, it used to take like, we like an hour to like shoot one unbox video. And then I would sit there for like four hours and edit it. And we, as we practiced, it got to be like that only took 15 minutes and then oh and then we're like oh we've done a bunch of these like let's just throw it to an editor be like here's the footage like make and make a yeah. like yeah. you know cut do the 30th one yeah and we got to the point where we could shoot like four of them in an hour and just like throw it to the editor and then we have four of them you know yeah. it's like and we built on that and then we like started getting other people involved in the company because we were seeing like people responding to it mm -hmm. and then you know at this point we've got a full-time filmmaker on our staff we have a bunch of people who have like learned Final Cut. We have a ton, ridiculous amount of camera gear, which is so fun. Yeah. And you know, it's like we built that really gradually over time. It wasn't just like zero to hundred. You know, like people just see the one that we did yesterday, or like the greatest mm -hmm. stuff we ever did. You know, like I'm super proud of the Ship and Six video that we just shipped, by the way, which is a really big project. Really, really unbelievable compared to like where we were a few years ago. But that was just from from practicing and growing it over time and taking little bets. You know. Like yeah. try this, try that feels good. Keep doing it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that was how we did it. It was like really gradually with, with what we had on hand at the time and really getting comfortable. Just like, Oh, just put it out, just ship it. See what, yeah. see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely those things like they, they kind of sculpt over time. That's a huge, huge yeah. part of it. And people don't see that. Like there's no. even things, there's even things that, like 
I, you know, I do for the company or we do as a company. And then like, you know, kind of don't even realize that we're, that we're doing whatever that thing is that that's leading up to the, yeah. you know, just being this phenomenal thing. Like, like people like say, for instance, like the, everything that's set up on this, the manufacturing come up and like its appearance and everything like that, like that, all that stuff, it came it, it, it like really, it came kind of quickly to us. Like we got the thing like launched and all the artwork and all that stuff in like a couple of weeks, but yeah. it, it came because we were already doing like other things prior to that, that were just yeah. like creative pieces. So like for us, all we just need to know is like, okay, we need to be in this ratio. We need to do like this. We probably need to, you know, it's just like a matter of moving some things around and kind of finalizing things. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, it reminds me that when we started working with our marketing and brand companies um, and one in particular Kinesis shout out to Kinesis because they've helped us so much. They helped us rename the company at one point. Um, what, why was I saying that? Like they, they talked to me about, or they taught us about this idea of like archetypes of like in every human story, there's like, there's like these 12 types of characters and they sort of like as a way of commun as a communication tool, you can, you, you know, which, which character is Luke most like. Yeah. And one of those archetypes was a magician. And they're like, you guys are like magicians. And this is part of like, when they tell you that you're like, Oh, I know how to, I'm, we're magicians. Like I can think about it in those terms. And the thing about magicians, you see people doing card tricks. Like you have no idea how long they practice that to get that good at it. You know what I mean? Like it's invisible. You just see them like, boom, they make a rabbit appear and you're like, how in the hell did they do that? Like <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we're doing is like that, where it's like, you just don't see like all the work and practice for years that went into it. You just, it just looks effortless, you know? Yeah. And that, that's just how it works. You know, so it's like, I don't mind the, the mystery or like, but that's real. That, that's true. What happens? Like, it doesn't start that way. It, it takes a long time to develop the skills. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I pulled up our thing. Like uh, one of ours is musician. Oh, you've done it too. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Royal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Cause like we didn't really, you know, uh, have have those things like really defined and i think we could still have them defined much better but it but it's kind of cool that like there's a whole sector there's a whole like team of individuals who are like good at that and like yeah. are able to help like really extract like what your messaging is and like what your core values are and um totally totally in a way that you can kind of convey a story yeah it was amazing that to, to talk for like a day and then to have that people come back and be like here's what we heard and you're like that is incredible that you can do that. It's just that they're able to crystallize, they're able to crystallize and compress all that. And they understand like how to, how to tell stories in a way that they give you transmitted from person to person. You know, like mm -hmm. I was never taught that as an engineer, you know, yeah. like I was taught other things. And so that it's, you know, there's practice, you know, there's like all of human history has been practice of storytelling. You know, they know how to do that. And it's really fun to put that together and learn about it and use it as a tool. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing is, like you said, engineers, like a lot of times it's, it's uh, pretty common for an engineer to, to not be like the best creative individual and to be, you know, very like mathematical and, and science driven. Well, they're taught, they're taught to be correct and they're taught to not make mistakes. And so like their ideas about risk, you know, like they, they think it's really, you know, they, they can, it can feel really irresponsible and risky. I think, 
I think what I've thought about in the meantime is like, actually the, it's just a more complicated risk statistics. It's like, mm -hmm. there's just a different payout function. It's like, we actually were, we can be wrong most of the time and still like grow like crazy and come out ahead. Like we're going to do that by trying stuff that usually is not going to work, you know, but like, and so that engineers hate that, right. They're, they're taught that their value is to be correct and not make mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, like, Creative people and artists are not taught that. They're taught they're taught to proceed in with that anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, so like it's it's it can be difficult for for people kind of in that in that headspace to 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 be that loose or to take that yeah. kind of risk yeah. because of what it what it means to them personally. You know, like that's per, that's personal for them about like just uncomfortable, not used to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. As far as as, as a loop and like creating content and, and, and like a, a media platform. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you guys have any type of uh, projections on what you uh, plan on doing? Well, it was, it was just late last year that we added, you know, it had been kind of a dream to have like a full-time like video filmmaker person on our staff. Um, and we also have people that help on the media and sort of like the distribution side of it, like what platforms is going on, like all the statistics, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So like just to have that engine of like we can come up with an idea and, and build, build that and I can be involved in sort of like the vision of it and that aspect and then have like a whole crew going like here's the initial edits. Like here, what do we, you know, like that's really, really powerful. And but but we were never doing it from like a goal point of view or like mm -hmm. trying to reach i mean i would love to have more followers so everybody watching please follow me on linkedin but <laughs> that that aspect it was more about like building stuff that we were excited about and that people were responding to mm -hmm. a lot of what we have done in the last few years has been really what i would describe as just sort of like general brand stuff you know like it's mostly not clear what loop does like that people are like how do you have all these fancy engineers and cool facilities and what do you even do and that's because we were all doing like core values messaging really on purpose. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, we're starting to do more. Like we just released this ship in six video. It's like, by the way, like, this is what we do professionally. Like this is the kind of work we do. Here's yeah. what's cool about it. Like you should hire us mm -hmm. for that type of work. So like we're doing more like practical media around, you know, here's what's cool about our engineering services and, you know, call us, you know, let's talk about collaborating. Like, so there's a lot of that that we're doing that's more, you know, concrete, and like more, um, I guess it has more of like a more of like a direct purpose uh, commercially or business wise. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, I can tell you, I, I don't have any regrets about that. It's just like something more that we're like bringing a focus to because when we do a lot of that brand messaging that's real, you know, we have like if you talk about candidates or you talk about hiring, we'll post a job description and people will be like, I've never heard of Loop before, and they like go to our YouTube page. Like, and the people that we're hiring are like, I stayed up all night watching your, all your YouTube videos because of how cool your company looks. I can't believe, and they're not saying that to, to out of some, like, that's true. I can tell it's true, right? Like, and they're like, they're sincere. And it's like, yeah, you're aligned. We're aligned. Like, you like yeah. what we're doing? Like, you know, and that's a big part of like, you get it, you know? And if we have a lot of people show up here, they get it. Like, we're going to yeah. be doing it even better. So yeah. even that stuff is like really powerful to keep, to keep doing more of. And mm -hmm working with other artists or like sharing more about a workshop. Like those are the kind of things that I'm excited to do video wise. And I, we do mostly on LinkedIn, like is where we put the most attention. Um, I'd like to do more on YouTube. I'd like to do more on TikTok um, because I think there's a op big opportunity there um, yeah. to kind of reach new people that, 
and, and and again, every platform, even though it's just like all video, it's it's totally different. It's totally different. What will go on LinkedIn? What will go on YouTube? What will go on TikTok? Like to some degree, you can like repackage, but like every medium is like really different in terms of how it works. So yeah, too. Like a couple, so like one, I, so I just did like a speaking engagement yesterday. And one of the things that, you know, got brought up is, is some of the marketing styles and like, so say for instance, yeah. like, you know, as far as like the content, like one of, one of the things that I think is a good uh, strategy and what we do is we have like, maybe like 10%, maybe 15% that are just like brand awareness, which is like, mm -hmm. They almost don't have a purpose. They don't have a purpose. They're just kind of like, hey, yeah. we exist. Like, there's not even really any major platform or anything like that on it. Maybe it's like, you know, mentioning stuff about happy holidays or what it could be, whatever, right? Yeah. And then, and then we try to do like about eighty percent that's that's um, educational, right? Learning. So yeah. It isn't, it isn't really saying exactly what we do, but we're trying to like it's like being that subject matter expert, but, totally. but yeah just providing value, right? There's no cell. There's no nothing like this. Hey, do you yeah. know about robotics or robotic welding? Okay. What do you know about it? Okay. Well, here are some things. Um, yeah. That's really powerful. That's, that's really powerful. And like not, not trying to sell because the point is to attract your community, right? The point is to connect with the people who are like-minded and to be, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing about so much video content or like what I would see as like more traditional. Like if you just think about like, I guess what I describe as old school, like, the kind of trade show and, you know, by the book marketing approach is all just like talking. It's like really salesy. It's like yeah. it's not interesting. It's not engaging. It's mm -hmm. not entertaining. You know, like so much of what we're doing that I'm excited about is like you can package like really valuable like information about like this was some, someone's like, I really appreciate that. I learned that from mm -hmm. from Elite or from Lube. It's yeah. like, by the way, it only took three minutes and it was entertaining and visually yeah. interesting. And it wasn't like if you compare that to like, Hey, come to my lunch and learn, and I'm going to give you PowerPoint for an hour. It's like, <laughs> that's what you're competing against. Basically. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's no, it's no, it's not a competition at all. And and then people are like, when, and when it's the right time and the right person for them to call you, like they will call you because they've yeah. seen a hundred of your videos, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, that's my attitude about it for sure. And they'll know they'll, the right people will know when to call you. Yeah. You know, if, if you're doing, if you're doing that kind of communication work, right. So I put a lot of faith in that, which is why, I don't feel like it's that important to be salesy. I mean, it is important to know you can hire us in these ways. Right. This is the way yeah. we do. And which yeah. again, which is the part we're getting to, but like um, to, for people to be like, I want to be a part of this or like, I see what you're doing. I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. Like we're just sharing, we're just sharing that kind of mentality and, and yeah, attracting like-minded people who are like care about innovation, care about revolution, want to, you know, want to bring the industry forward. Like all those people, I, I know that they see our stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, and it's like people don't mind seeing that stuff too, because as soon as they, as soon as they realize there's nothing salesy about it, like they, as soon as they see that there's, there's not an yeah. app, it's like they're more acceptable to that information and they want to see it again. And then, yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, a, a buddy of mine, Sean, he, he was talking about, we were going into a meeting together, like an in person meeting. And he was like, we're not, we'll go in, we'll go in unarmed. And he meant with no PowerPoint, like we'll just have a conversation, right? Like, yeah. and, because like the best sales conversation, certainly for companies like ours that are like workshop or problem solving focus is like, maybe, maybe there's a way to collaborate. If not, maybe I know who you should talk to. Like, that's all we're doing here. You mm -hmm. know, like it's not, there's no convincing involved. It's yeah. that 
that's that's a sign we're on the wrong track if there's any kind of convincing that needs to take place you know like mm-hmm. we're either aligned and we're the right people to work together or not you know and yeah. if not no big deal you know like we've got plenty of work to do that's that's such a cool attitude to have and it's it's safer for people you know it's, people recognize rightly that they're not going to be manipulated or taken advantage of in that context mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's super super important because there's a lot of you know i think it's not I don't want to say that system integration is bad about it, but system integration can, and, and it really has two sides where like you have a side where there's partnership and you have side yeah. of like that there's companies that are, they have to protect themselves because you know, they're, they're selling once they're selling one system that has $1 yeah. amount associated with it. So they have to be careful on how they spend their labor and time. But then, then you have on the other side, like maybe the customer, Maybe, maybe they're either asking for things that were not included in the scope or the things that were included in the scope weren't actually provided. Yeah. Uh, and then so there's like a friction that you'll have there. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on in the industry because of like, it's, it's the, it's the business model of the systems integrator versus the business model of like the, the manufacturer and, and also like the procurement of that equipment. Yeah. Like they're looking at yeah. that like a CapEx purchase they expect to get all these items listed that were part of the original purchase. And then, and then there's always ambiguity because there's totally. engineering stuff, right? Like there's like, well, I thought you were going to have this alarm or that button or whatever. Right. And yeah, uh, totally. Totally. So, so much of our processes are around like how to manage that uncertainty and, and complexity and risk really for both sides. You know, like the reason why we do ship in six with six week sprints is that, you know, the worst blow up that either side could have, experience is like six weeks which is nothing compared to like some death march you know mm-hmm. we've all worked on them like this is never gonna you know we're never gonna hit production rate on this thing and we've been at it for two years you know like mm-hmm. and we're all underwater and like mm-hmm. barely survive you know what i mean like let's let's how do we that's not good for anybody you know it's not good it's not good for the customer it's not good for the for the si suppliers um <clears throat> i think i think yeah but especially when it's really back to the sales conversations. Like there's no need to be thirsty about it. Like mm-hmm. that's just, it doesn't, you know, and if, if you're, if your company's in that position, like I, and you need, you needed to pay the bills or you're like really hungry for project work. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I respect that. But at the same time, it's like, that's not, I don't think that's where the right, right kind of work comes from. That's, that's like yeah. a danger zone you know, for any of that situation. That would get you into situations that make it worse, not better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that was kind of what I was getting to as well is like, we're very focused on like, like partnership related yeah. related you know customers and 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 going into it like like we'll you know we'll advise customers don't don't cut us the whole po cut cut an r d portion of this of this po yeah. And, yeah. and to be honest it's less it's less risky for you it's less risky for us like you know let's let's go into an r d phase of this let's see if the thing will will actually work meet cycle time and, and yeah you're not gonna run into complications with handling this part um and, and I think that, the, you know, the customers, they really, they really like that. They see the value in that and that, you know, they can take a lower investment to, to prove yeah. the thing out. And you're, you're aligned at that point, you know, cause if it's yeah. like, if it works great, if not, you know, we, we took a, we took our best shot at it and we we now we know, yeah. you know, otherwise, you know, you're an SI and you know, you're, t- you know, you're taking, you're taking a half million dollar bet that you're going to get a million dollars at the end. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's high stakes, you know, like, I, and again, that's how a lot of SIs have lived and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, cool. they somehow get by, but a lot of them blow up for that reason. You know, like yeah. it's just you take the wrong project and you're done. Yeah. 
like that, yeah, that yeah. can happen when you're when you're signing up for those kind of like infinite liability for like a fixed amount of upside. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I think that's like one of the things you see with integration is like there's I don't talk about this a lot, but like integration is a it's a difficult sector because it's like you have you really have like one or two things you have like your your big companies that have found ways to either be really good partners or be be able to like say no look this is where we're drawing the line mm-hmm. uh, so you kind of have like those two things or a combination of those things i'm sure it's not not just one or the other but uh and then you have the uh the smaller companies which it, whenever you're a smaller company it's I don't want to say like it's an, it's inevitable, but it is fairly inevitable. At some point in time, there's going to be a project that doesn't go well enough that yeah, it kind of closes the doors, right? If you don't, right? I I think a system integration can a system integration company can really only survive long term, bought with growth, or, yeah. or stacking cash in the bank. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I have some thoughts about this. And again, we're not really an SI, like to, to, to be clear, like we, we really do soft control software, like, and that's our specialty um, and it has been for a while. Um, but I, of course, I have opinions about it, but I, I think it's like, it's kind of like, um, it's a project business, you know, so it's like, it's like being a general contractor and, and you know, how many horror stories about like, they got to sell the next job so they can afford to finish the last one that they did. It's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's a really dangerous cycle to get into um, both for you and your customers, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, it creates a lot of nasty dynamics. So it's like figuring out how to align those interests and, and really make it safer for both sides. Like that's a, that's a big part of what I think SI should be pursuing. And some of them just have scale, but then they do, then, you know, they get scale and like, maybe they can't take as many risks because I don't know, they're just, they're, they already got the engine running or they're just doing something, you know, they yeah. can't be as aggressive in, in different ways. So yeah, and yeah, that's that's really the puzzle because um, I think there's a lot of good work, good good work to be done. But how do we how do we align those incentives instead of just like churning through SIs? You know, it's like it's a, they have a reputation for that kind of business or that kind of volatility mm-hmm. uh, because of that because of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, David? Do you have? Any last last pieces of, of advice for for those who are career seeking or those who are maybe looking to become entrepreneurs? Uh, yeah, I think I've been talking about it, but like creativity means just trying things and seeing what happens. You know, I think that applies for you know people's career applies in entrepreneurship, and you got to you got to go do things to learn what what what's real and what what's happening, and and doing that in a way that is is safe and that you can survive with, you know, whether, whether you're working another job and it's a side gig or whether you're just trying something out, it's like, how do you, how do you survive to, to keep trying new things? How do you keep survive to take another bet tomorrow, fight tomorrow? That's step one. And then from there you can, you can really build on that because the stuff that works um, is really valuable, even Mm -hmm. if uh, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of at-bats. So that that kind of confidence to try things, you're not going to think your way out of it. You're not going to think your way to that. you got to go do stuff and, uh, and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely valuable. I think it's it's a take I haven't really really heard expressed a lot. So uh, I think it's a, a very good valuable tip to to anybody, especially those who are who are who are trying to do a little bit different things in life and and try to take some risks and yeah. Well, it's like what can I what can I afford to play with where if it doesn't work out I I'm I'm okay you know like yeah. and again you can be in really desperate situations and still okay well you know I'm, I'm still here you know like I'm. And you can build on that in a big way. 
you know so it's like even if that's just learn let me let me go take a class like let me let me go have lunch with somebody you know that's an hour you know yep. maybe it doesn't come to anything but it's like you could afford to try it and you're not you know you're not gonna be uh going broke uh or you're able to you're able to keep doing it you're able to survive you're able to yeah. pay your rent absolutely absolutely yeah david where, where can people find you at uh, best way to find me uh, is on LinkedIn. Follow me on LinkedIn, David Nichols at Loop, L-O-U-P-E. And I would love to hear from everybody, especially the people who are saying hell yeah, or the people who are like, <laughs> wrong and I'm bad. I'm also happy to hear that feedback. So come at me if you need to. Um, and yeah, uh, LinkedIn would be the best. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for being here, David. Yeah. Thanks, man.